numbers, numbers, numbers on this episode of Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. More than a number, but my favorite one is nine. <laughs> uh, I guess my favorite number, I, it's, it's a toss-up. It's four or 21. Those are my two favorite numbers. I was so happy that my son, uh, in choosing a new number for himself on the football field, he wanted to be 12 because he thought he was going to be a quarterback. Now he's playing offensive line. But before he played offensive line, he was giving some thought to playing tight end, uh, still trying to play a skill position, and his number was uh, 45 in honor of his dad going for the number nine there. Nice. I like it. Yeah, now that he's on the offensive line, 63 is not available, so... Um, Jay, we've got uh, quite a bit of news to get to this week. Uh, Most of it Concerning numbers, as a matter of fact, a lot of different uh, numbers came out this week, so we thought we'd make a whole show discussing some of those numbers. Love numbers. Um, with, with a little bit of color at the end from our uh, uh, favorite behind-the-scenes podcasters at Startup. So that's what you can look forward to today. Um, why don't we jump right into it with an IPA survey from Pod News. This is available in the show notes. You can click the link and get all of it there. But the International Podcast Association shares interim survey oh. results. Oh, the inter- okay. I-, I thought you were talking about beers. I'm not a big IPA guy. <laughs> More of a stout drinker myself. But okay, I got you. I'm with you. I don't. Re- I don't. I don't really like an IPA either. But I like this IPA. The International yes. Podcast Association is is great. Um, they got a couple of charts here. What podcasters want and what podcasters need help with. Interesting breakdown for those charts in particular. Um. Uh, the interim results from their podcaster survey, the organization's mission is to support and accelerate the success of in every individual and organization around the world that are participating in the podcast industry. The survey will help shape the organization's initial goals and shows what podcasters want and what they need assistance with. So what do they want? Number one of all the things that they want, resource directory. No. 31.7%. To me, most hosting platforms have something of this nature do they not so a lot of them do uh you know especially the bigger ones uh libsyn's uh support system is pretty thorough blueberry the same way and their support staff is really great at helping you walk through some of those knowledge base articles if you can't find the thing specific thing you're linking to uh you know i've been dealing with captivate for the last uh, month or so two months and uh, they've been great and their knowledge base is pretty thorough as well i think anybody that's been doing it for even just a couple of years jay you, what's going to happen is you get the support emails and calls and as you get them you find those resources and then you just hard link them Mm. (laughs) you know because those resources are going to be when you find them for one person they're going to be useful for another um you know back when you and i were um at blog talk radio hosting with blog talk radio i know this is something that you focused on a lot there but you found an interesting way to sort of build around it in some ways You, you guys didn't build up a whole 
uh, knowledge base necessarily of indiv- individual independent articles, what you would do is find resources online and link to those a lot of times, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, because that was the thing. There was no reason to reinvent the wheel. You know, I, I spent a good portion of my first days at Blog Talk Radio sort of co-writing a best practices, uh, for lack of a better word, book. Um with 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 a uh, with a consultant that was hired before I was brought into the company, and you know a lot of the best practices we we used and put into the help desk. So where you, you look for certain help articles, the best practices book was sort of put into pieces and chapters and, and used in that nature. Uh, a lot of that got transferred to Spreaker uh, during the. Um, merger with Spreaker, which formed the VoxNest company. Um, so we did a lot of that, but as time continued to go on and we we realized there were a lot more podcasters coming on that needed even more technical help, I was, I was sitting here going, why are we spending our time teaching this stuff that's already been done numerous times by other people who are probably even more skilled in certain areas than we are? You know, I've been around for a long time and I've got a lot of experience that I can help share. But at the same time, I wouldn't sit here and consider myself an RSS expert, for example. There are other people that are. There are other people who have presented that information in a very nice article or web page. And we can just link to it. And so that's sort of one of the things that we did when we started creating onboarding packages for people that we'd bring onto the platform. We created an entire document that included links to basically any question you could ever have uh, that you wanted. So if you're on the Spreaker platform, they have a whole host of articles in their help section that will absolutely help take care of that resource directory. Uh, The next thing is a standards and best practices. Uh, and I don't necessarily know if this is where questions on surveys can be sort of nebulous. Like, what is your definition of standards and best practices? Like, are you looking for these to be applied to the entire industry? Or are you just looking for somebody else's standards and best practices? Like what I wrote back when I first started with Blog Talk Radio. So I, I think my understanding of this, my reading of this is podcasters, individual independent podcasters would like the idea of a list of standards and best practices that they could then follow. And many people have their own best practices for podcasting. I have a, a list sort of that I suggest to my clients. Hey, we should do it like this. This is what I find works. This is what I find successful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But across the industry, I think a lot of you know newbie podcasters, they wander in and they say, hey, I, I want to start a show. And if you're not connected to this community, if you're not plugged in, if you don't have some of those resources already in your sort of uh, Rolodex, maybe that does seem a little nebulous. Like, well, I don't know. What's the description? What's the difference between uh, episode description and an episode summary? You know, what, what, what is the standard best practice about putting episode numbers in the title or not? For instance, you know, I've seen other podcasters do that. Is that a good thing to do anymore or not? Um, and you know, Jay, we are in a creative medium. So I would tell people that are, that are looking at these charts, especially newbie podcasters. And they say, oh yeah, I would love to know the standards and best practices. One of the reasons why you want a list like that is to know how to break them. 
I mean, <laughs> we are in a creative medium, so I don't. There aren't rules, right? There are standards and best practices. That's exactly the way to describe them. Because you can do a show and do whatever the heck you want to do with it. It just might be harder for a new person coming in from the rest of the podcasting world to on-ramp and understand exactly what you're doing. That's the reason for standards and best practices is really for the listener, not even for the producer, really. Don't you think? It's about making it easy to understand. Well, it's funny you bring that up because one of my roles as the executive producer at Locked On is to sort of critique the content that's being produced by, by the podcasters. And I had listened to one particular episode and I went, you know, I understand your your content mapping here. I understand exactly how you organized your thoughts and, and where you went. However, I might recommend moving this particular segment a little bit higher up in, in the way that you presented it, surprise your audience. I then listened to a second episode and he did exactly that. He took a portion that you would typically put towards the end of your content mapping, if you're looking at it from maybe a chronological view, and put it at the beginning of his show, and that ended up being his strongest content, which made perfect sense. And I literally wrote to wrote him and said, I just finished talking to another podcaster about how they should surprise their audience and change up the way that they are mapping their content, and you literally just did it. I would normally have this particular segment that you have at the end of your podcast, but it makes complete sense being at the beginning and it was your strongest content of the show. Not that the rest of your content was bad. It was just, this was definitely what will keep an audience further engaged with you throughout the entirety of your podcast. And so that's the one thing when we talk about standards and best practices, you can have the perfect content map and you can look at it and be like, I'm going to map out my content chronologically. And, and and that makes perfect sense. But at the end of the day, if your best content happens to be at the end of your show, the best part about a podcast is it's recorded, it's not live, you can edit that and move it easily to the front of your show. And that's breaking the best practice. <laughs> the, the interesting third uh, thing that podcasters say they wanted to me, Jay, was a podcaster directory. It's the only other one that gets above 20%. Um, and, and, and then the, the two smaller ones, meetup directory and legal advocacy, uh, those, those are both interesting. But the podcaster directory to me. So here's something that you might not know as a podcaster. Any podcast that you want to interact with, there is an email address in the RSS feed. You can find that what? email address. Yeah, you can find that email address and you can contact that podcaster directly. Now, if the podcaster is not smart and hasn't done things the right way, then that email address may not go to them, right? That may, that email right. address may be auto-populated by their media host or something like that or a network. Um, but still, you should, through a series of a chain of events, be able to contact the podcaster that way. That's So to me, I never think about... I, when I'm trying to find a podcaster, even those who don't do a great job of like building their website and making an about page or having links to their social, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I always go back to this one, Jay. I can find the email and then I can just email them. You know, if I if I want if I have a question about a show or the way they're producing it or something that they're doing with the show, that's it. You can find them right there. Um, would it be nice to have a true podcast directory where we're sort of clickable? You know, a social media style directory. I think it would be nice, and I think that's sort of what um, is being built right now. Don't you think? With I started to say Chartable. It's not Chartable. What's the other one? Isn't there a Podchaser that does this? Podchaser. That's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah. So Podchaser wants to be the IMDB of 
uh, uh, podcasts, basically. And this is one of the things that they could do pretty well. You know, um, in the movie industry, you can become a IMDb Pro member, and through that, you can reach people's agents. Right, you can see the agent email addresses for anybody basically, and can contact their representation. Um, I see this sort of as the future of Podchaser. The idea there is, hey, if I want to look up a podcaster, this is probably the way that it, it, I'm going to be doing. That. That's what Podchaser wants to be anyway, and I think currently they are on track to do that. We're not there yet because the the podcast industry hasn't grown, I don't think, to that level exactly. But as more and more big companies get involved and and Jay, like this is something that I think is going to happen. What what'll what you'll have happen is a brand or a business you know, they'll they'll get the um the word from on high that they need to start a podcast. And somebody in their marketing agency is going to already have a favorite podcast. And they're going to be reaching out to those companies. They're going to say, hey, <laughs> uh, my company wants to do something, and we'd kind of like to do something like what you're doing. Do you do that? Can you can you sell those services? I think Podchaser is going to be a way that people find th- those sorts of connections in the future. Yeah, funny you say that, Joel, because spoiler alert, uh, that's part of what the startup episode two of their final season uh, sort of hints at with the Spotify acquisition. Uh, that Spotify was reaching out to a bunch of podcasters trying to learn everything they could about podcasting. So the the two surveys that we got here are the two pieces of the surveys, what podcasters want, which we've just discussed, and then what podcasters need help with. So the biggest category on the need help with is marketing and promotion with 44.7%. That's a huge percentage, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's half, effectively, of, right. of the podcasters say that this is a problem for them. And it makes total sense, Jay, because of course. If, you're, if you're into this medium and you've been creating, then the things that you do to create are probably things that you've sort of, if not mastered, at least gotten in hand, right? You wouldn't continue to do a podcast if you couldn't figure out how to make one. But once we make it, we all want our shows to be bigger. We all want our audiences to to grow. And so the best way to do that is marketing and promotion. And most of us are not experts in that field. The one that's exciting to me is editing and audio quality. 14.7% of podcasters say that they want help with or need help with editing and audio quality. And to me, that says... Job security right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because time management is is really number two on what podcasters need, need help with at 20%. And I get it. If you're one independent podcaster, you are taking on the role of producer, talent, uh, marketer, editor, uh, all of that good stuff all yes, rolled sourcing. into one person. Right. Yeah. So, and you probably have a real job and you might even have a family. So, yeah. It, you know, I get the, the time management thing. Time management ain't going to help you with that. I, I hate to tell you. Well, really, <laughs> I mean, again, both of those, I feel like both of those are, are 35% that effectively say, I need hired help. <laughs> like the, the time management at 20.5% and the 14.7% yeah. of editing audio quality, both of those are my clients, you know? Um, now, I think there's obviously a lot of different levels in there. Some people are not going to want to spend the money that it takes to get the full edit from a producer like myself, but others are. Uh, others are just going to want to offload the tagging and the mixing, the mastering, the publishing, things like that. But services like mine, companies like mine, are exactly who fills in those gaps. So that's exciting to hear. The other thing to point out is audience growth slash other was 7.8%. And honestly, what is what is marketing and promotion? This is, again, where surveys 
will tell you one thing, but you could interpret it to mean another. Because honestly, if you're marketing and promoting, that means you're looking for audience growth. So mm. you could really put that 7.8% in with the marketing and promotion. And now you have over 50% of people that are looking for help in growing their audiences. And that quite honestly, it's when I was working at Vox Nest, Blog Talk Radio, Spreaker, whichever company, take a pick. Those were the those were the two questions. How do I get my audience larger and how do I make money? Uh, and honestly, monetization is low on this chart at 12.3%. Well, I, I think that makes sense too, because first of all, I do think that we are beginning to get it through to most podcasters that monetization is a long game and that the, the gold rush of podcasting doesn't really exist. Uh, and then, so they're worrying about these other things first. I think everybody knows, Hey, I've got to have my show in order. I've, I've got to sound right. I've got to build my audience. I've got to grow a base and then I can do something about it and make a little money off of it. But I think Jay, I think a lot of people get to that level where you've got four, five hundred, a thousand listens per episode on a regular basis, and you're like, I ought to be able to do something with this. And they're not, you know, and they're not, they don't have a product yet. They don't have a service to sell to that audience. And they, you know, maybe they've tried t shirts in the past. They're like, I I ended up spending $300 to get these t shirts out and didn't make any money in the end, you know, like, how do I monetize? So that's what that 12% is to me. Those are the people who have made it as a podcaster who are successful, who have built an audience. And then they're like, now what do I do with these people? (laughs) It's a good point. That's a very good point. I think, um, you know, time will tell as to how success is determined in, in regards to monetization. Um, you know, there, there's those that are out there that are going to be like, hey, man, 20, 30 bucks a month, that ain't cutting it. That doesn't qualify as a success to me. At the other time, there's going to be realists who understand my audience is this number. It represents a small, tiny fraction of the total available audience for the content that I'm producing. And so it really is only worth 20 or 30 bucks a month. Um mm. You know, at the same time, if you've got an audience that's a thousand and your total available universe of people uh, is, say, only 1500, then you have a ginormous chunk of the available audience and that audience becomes much more valuable in in those terms. So that's sort of where you have to sort of understand where monetization lies in regards to your content and how valuable it actually is. Hmm. I agree. Jay, let's move to this second story here from before you do radio. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Before you do a little tease, Joel, I love, I love doing teases, but uh, Westwood one will be releasing their report. The podcast download from the fall 2019 at the IAB upfronts, which is actually happening on the day that we're recording this podcast. Uh, so uh, we obviously don't have that report now, but we will have it for next week, and we will de- definitely dive into it as they will examine podcast listener profiles, content preferences, platform usage, and listening trends. It would also cover what listeners think of podcast ads. So we'll have a lot of that type of information for you available next week. Uh, it just happens that the IAB upfronts are occurring on the same day that we're recording this podcast, so we can't talk about it on this particular episode. Also, uh, my boyfriend, Tom Webster, over at Edison Research, doing a webinar. Um, I don't remember when it is. It's in a couple of weeks, though. Yeah, I think we still got a couple more weeks uh, for that one. 
uh, and it's being co-sponsored by Podcast One on super users. So we're going to get data on uh, heavy podcast listeners, those that uh, probably listen to five or more episodes uh, of podcasts a week, uh, finding out a little bit more about those particular people. And um, yeah, uh, so we got some good numbers uh, still to come. Well, and one of those good numbers, Jay, is in this next article. So the the issue that a lot of podcasters face, uh, if you look at those two charts that we just discussed, was growing the audience. One way to grow that audience is to grow the demographic audience of podcasting overall. And that's what this article is about. Um, podcasting has been, historically, a fairly male medium. It's been a fairly uh, white medium as well. Uh, but this from Inside Radio says that among blacks, Hispanics, podcast listening has doubled over the past five years. Jay, you and I were talking, I, I'm just going to go ahead and put it on front street here you and i were talking off the air i believe the nomenclature here referencing blacks instead of african-americans i think because the survey is outside the usa it's not just usa centric and so per perhaps that's why it's a, a little bit different nomenclature but the um the audio today 2019 a focus on black and hispanic consumers it's a 14 page report the link is in the show notes there but the tune in for uh, black people for podcasting has escalated from 2.35 million in 2014 to 4.63 million in 2019 that's more than doubled Jay. yeah that's and that's great i think the more people listening to podcasts the better if it happens to be a minority listener, if it happens to be a purple listener, if it happens to be an alien <laughs> listener, uh, all the better. Well, and but the, the beauty of this is it opens up the kinds of shows and kinds of content that also will be true. interesting and possible in those top charts as the as the overall demographics expand, the variety of shows should expand too. This reminds me of when I when we were talking about the Jay-Z deal with the NFL and I was mm. talking about how I wasn't listening to a diverse enough amount of content to really understand what the true, what truly lied beneath that particular story. Um, so yes, a perfect point there. The Hispanic numbers, Jay, are even higher than the numbers for blacks, though, as uh, they went from 2.84 million in 2014 to 6.75 million listeners in 2019, according to Nielsen. Uh, radio use among black and Hispanic consumers has never been higher. More than 75 million tune in every week. And with new technologies, including smart speakers, voice assistants, and podcasts, they're making the bond between audio and these listeners even stronger, Nielsen writes in uh, the report. 51% percent of blacks 18 plus said they listen to podcasts and or audiobooks among weekly um audio activities while 40 percent of hispanics do so in addition 32 percent of blacks and 42 percent of hispanics say they listen to more podcasts as a result of owning a smart speaker i think that is something that we see across demographics if you own a smart speaker you begin to take advantage of it that's just true um, the Audio Today 2019 report also reveals that the average age of both black and Hispanic podcast listeners is 39. Uh, I think, Jay, that's still slightly older than the average podcast listener period, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, it is. That is uh, much older. I believe the average age is, is closer to the upper 20s. Not the upper yeah, 30s. Yeah, I was, I was thinking the, if you broke it down to average, and of course that's difficult to 
the average is not necessarily it doesn't mean what we think right. it means sometimes but if you if you actually like look at what's in the middle i was thinking it was upper 20s as well um 46 male for black podcast listeners 54 percent female which is interesting it's a little bit higher than it is i believe for caucasians while with hispanics the split is 50 50 it's right down the middle among both groups 92 percent also use radio weekly so these this is not and I think this is true generally for uh, Caucasian listeners as well. Podcasts don't completely take over radio, but they are more and more filling in those gaps where where radio doesn't go or doesn't meet the, the need exactly. I agree. Uh, there's there's more deeper uh, research really goes into the radio side of things than than the podcast side of things. Uh, also included in this report that. Uh, it's interesting for people that are interested in radio, but um, I, I'm the. I want to go back to the to to the black podcast listeners. Forty six percent are male, fifty four percent female. I believe uh, when Edison released their information, the share of ear, uh, that number is reversed uh, for the universe of podcast listening. Um, so that is extremely telling. Uh, sort of the the newest listeners from. Uh, from black listeners are mostly female. Uh, that is uh, intriguing. I'm wondering if they are true crime listeners. Mm. Well, it, I, I was thinking about the entertainment products. You know, all of these shows that, well, your buddy Rob has a podcast that follows up on reality TV programs. I bet those are very, very popular among that demographic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the contests, things like The Bachelor, The Real Housewives shows, you know, all of those um, sort of entertainment gossip podcasts, I think would probably be very uh, popular within those two. But just generally then culture and, uh, again, if you look across the demographic, uh, it's it's music comedy well, excuse me comedy first then news music society and culture for black listeners period for hispanic listeners it's news first comedy society and culture and then music uh after that um i, I think music is a big category for every demographic and we've talked about that as the as the licensing continues to sort of like unlatch a little bit and we can bring musicians and artists into the medium more fully. Um, I think that's going to be a big, big category and genre for, um, those listeners as well. Still going to be expensive, <laughs> but it's yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Jay, I uh, slightly on this, slightly on the same topic. I saw this article earlier in the week. There's a link in the show notes for this as well. WNYC, uh, org put out, uh, one of their podcasts, the read from kid fury and crystal West, uh, has headed to TV. Now it actually is already premiered. Uh, but the show is going to be on the fuse network. Um, if you've never heard the read, we actually reviewed it uh, back when we were always listening. Josh and I discussed it. Um, it's a show, that that focuses a lot on specifically black gay culture the hosts are i mean they talk about pop culture and current events and news and all sorts of things they read and answer listener letters and everything but they both speak from that experience that african-american uh gay experience and it is very compelling um what's interesting to me is uh west in particular the the female host crystal she said when they began that she told fury that nobody was going to listen because black people don't listen to podcasts they've got over 85 million listens now worldwide and again they just made it to tv which means that the the big traditional media companies saw the value of the content that they were creating and more importantly saw the value of the audience that they had right that's that's why they got a tv deal so it shows you th this 
this category, this demographic is growing. If you're a, a person of color or a um, uh, you know a voice in this community in these communities, like you've got an opportunity. Get out there and start speaking um, to your own demographics. I think there are more and more listeners that you might not uh, understand or, or think about that are there waiting on you. I definitely don't want to give all the credit towards the increase in this listens to uh, things, but as we were Googling for more information about minority podcasting, one of the first things that came up was the Google Podcast Creator Program, which is geared for uh, people of color. Uh, that certainly again, they don't get all the credit, but that certainly helped, I think, in, in putting out more of that diverse content that we're looking for. I would say the efforts by uh, uh, Dan and Jared at Podcast Movement, they have been very much on uh, diversifying the voices that you hear at Podcast Movement and making sure that those voices have a platform to be heard. Uh, so I think a lot of the work that they have done in this particular regard has certainly helped to a lot of this increase. Um, I, there just needs to be more. We just need more, 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 more. I strongly agree with that, Jay. Let's go on to our next story here. I got an email, and I don't think you did, Jay. I don't think you get these emails, so I'm, I don't I'm get glad them. that I can share it with you. Very disappointed. Uh, Apple sent out an email. Um, Dear podcast provider, below are some updates to help improve the experience for your listeners on Apple Podcasts. Uh, first and foremost, this was about Apple Podcasts for Mac now being available. If you've updated to Catalina, then you have uh, Apple Podcasts Catalina. on your... <laughs> exactly. You have Apple Podcasts on your Mac. They also mentioned search enhancements. Listeners can now search the audio from... Here's the nomenclature. Top English language shows in Apple Podcasts. <laughs> To discover topics and people. Also, show and episode pages display images of hosts and guests. These enhancements are only available for selected top shows in English. More podcasts will be added over time. Please review and accept the latest terms of service in Podcast Connect for your show to be eligible for these features. So, if you've got a Podcast Connect account, if you've if you've submitted your show yourself, you need to go log in to Podcast Connect and accept the new terms of service before you're ever going to be rolled out these features. However, as we've said in episodes past, don't hold your breath on having these features rolled out to you. It's going to take a while. Uh, if your show already has these enhancements and you'd like to update or add images of hosts and guests, please contact us. And there's a link there. Submissions for podcast guests must also include a signed photo release. This is something new, Jay. Apple has never mentioned this before. But anyone in the future who uses these new features that roll out in Apple Podcasts, the, the guest photo and the host photo to submit a guest photo even once you get the ability to do so which most of us don't have but even once you do you will have to submit a signed photo release and there's a link to the document that they need so you can just copy theirs but that's something that we as podcasters are going to need to start getting now from our guests we're going to mm. need to start getting a signed guest photo release for Apple Podcasts. Jay, there are specifications as you might imagine for that oh, photo as well. Oh yeah. It's got to be a square aspect ratio. It's got to be 2400 by 2400 preferred or 1440 by 1440 minimum. Format has to be PNG or JPEG. It's got to fit the entire face of the person within the image. Do not crop face, ears, chin, etc. Leave padding between edge of the image and the face. Subject should face and look into the camera. Use simple, non-distracting backgrounds. Avoid typography and logos. Avoid other faces in the image background. So it's got to just be a headshot. 
It's got to be square, got to be 2400 by 2400 or 1440 by 1440 at least. And just like your logo, it's got to be a PNG or a JPEG. Um, those things are not surprising, but none of that had been mentioned, Jay. In all of this idea that we were going to get these new features, no one had ever said there's some. There's going to be some new specifications that we've got. There's new hurdles to jump through for, for Apple. So I want you to know, because I know people have been excited about this feature. That's what it's going to take. You got to have the right photo. You got to have a signed photo release from your guest to put one in, and that's all after Apple rolls this feature out to you to begin with. So I need I need just, some time management help. <laughs> yeah, right. You need you need hired help is what you need. Uh, and then the finally, and this is maybe the most pressing thing because this is going to affect everybody. There is a Podcast Connect maintenance scheduled maintenance coming up October twentieth, starting at six a.m. Pacific time. Podcast Connect will be unavailable for up to eight hours. During that window, you will not be able to submit new feeds. You will not be able to make changes to existing shows. Please make sure that you have completed any critical deliveries or changes before this date. October 20th, what is that? That's five days from, well, six days, uh, four days from now as we're releasing this. Uh, but uh, it's going to happen 6 a.m. in the morning, and it's going to be shut down all day, folks. So, when is that day? When, when is October 20th? What's that, what's that day? What is the day of the week? Let's see. Yeah. It is the. It's a Sunday. Oh, all right. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody downloads podcasts on Sundays. I don't know about that. Um, the research so shows, Joel. Come on. Upcoming outage for Podcast Connect. New features rolling out. So pay attention to that. Get your ducks in a row and uh, be ready for you know whenever we're old grandfathers and Apple rolls this out to everybody else. Jay, speaking of Apple Podcasts, Daniel J. Lewis had some news for us. 750,000 podcasts, 751.7 to be more precise, podcasts available in the Apple Podcast app. Now, only 35.1% of those, that's 263.8 thousand, have four or more episodes and have published an episode in the last 90 days. That's sort of Daniel's definition of what is a quote-unquote live or active podcast uh four or more episodes and have published in the last 90 days 263.8 thousand that means there's a lot of junk in there a tremendous amount of uh, first of all that overall number 751,700 uh shows um it's very impressive. We've already been talking about over 700,000 shows for a while anyway, so we were already thinking in this ballpark. The more interesting number to me is the quote-unquote active show number, 263,000.8. That that suddenly, doesn't it feel very manageable to you, Jay? Doesn't it seem like, <laughs> I mean, again, you compare it to the number of blogs. You compare it to the number of blogs that you're against as a blogger, and I just feel like, oh, well, I ought to be able to find an audience, you know? I mean, like, that's what I feel when I hear that number. Well, yes, but I think it's also a trick of the eye when you see 263.8K and 751.7K versus the actual zeros behind it. And when, when you actually think of it as, as thousands versus a K... Uh, it becomes a little more daunting. Like if there's only 263 podcasts out there, oh, that's oh, I can find an audience. That's easy. No, it's 263,000. Is a little more manageable. Yes, I would agree in that regard. But at the same time, uh, you you got to get over that junk, and that junk doesn't go away, and sometimes masks what's 
actually available, what's a live podcast. There are junk podcasts that may not have published in the last 90 days, but for whatever crazy reason, they've got a bot that's still working on their behalf that keeps downloading it into Apple or whatever, and they're still generating audience. It's, um, you know, some are legit, and we've mentioned Serial being, I would say, the number one poster child of this particular thing. They obviously haven't had four or more episodes or published an episode in the last 90 days, but they are getting millions of people still to listen to their podcast, and those are real people listening. But there is junk in that 750 that people are not listening to, and it drives me nuts. It really does, because how do you get your podcast to rise above that noise. And that's, you know, that's, you got to keep marketing consistent. This goes back to what we need. We need more marketing and promotion help to get above the junk. The junk pile is huge and getting, getting to the top of the junk pile. That's all I want my podcast to do, right? I would guess that based on the audience that I've seen for my show, uh, my podcast would rank 263,000th. I'll say I, I'm better than 800 podcasts, okay? But that but that doesn't mean my show's going to show up above the, you know, what is that? That's almost 500,000 more podcasts that are no longer active? That's the that's the real issue here. And, and, and honestly, that's what leads to the discover, quote-unquote, discoverability problem. I don't know. I again, I just I look at that number and I'm I'm positive. I know the number of blogs that are out there. It's in the millions, you know. Um and I know the number of Facebook accounts that are out there. It's in the billions. <laughs> you know? And hmm. so when you create a podcast, no matter what the level is. Hi Jay, we talked about it we t- we talked about it just last week, I think. If you get over that like 160, 170 depending upon, you know, what month it is, you're better than 50% of the podcasts out there. If you get 170 people per episode listening to you, 180, whatever it is, that's not unreachable. And it's not nothing. You know, one of the great, by the way, we haven't mentioned it recently because you couldn't sign up for it anymore, but she podcasts the event in Atlanta happened this past week. Right. Apparently a great event. Congratulations to everybody involved, especially Elsie and uh, Jessica uh, Kupferman for putting that together. Elsie Escobar and Jessica Kupferman, the the two leads behind it. But one of the things that I loved about it, the stuff that I got to see live online, was Elsie making the statement. I think Dave Jackson shared it. Your show doesn't have to make money. Just making something is magic all on its own, I think is the way that she put it. And that's absolutely true. You know, I always tell people, my clients, when we're talking about listenership and their audiences, if those if those numbers showed up to see you every week in person, would you be excited to go and speak with them? Would you be nervous to get in front of them? If the answer to those questions are yes, then your show's successful at some level. Now, it is imperative that you put the amount of investment that you're putting into your show in proper place with what you're getting out of it right if it's just a hobby if it's just a passion project then it can't you can't give up your day job for it you can't you lose your family over it etc etc but if you put those two things in place and if you keep those in that proper ratio then whatever show size whatever size show you have it will be an addition to your life. It will be a boon to you and your personal life. So that's the takeaway for me. And I look at this and I go, 
263.8. Okay. That's that's doable. 750,000 is hard. To, I mean, that's approaching a million. It's hard to wrap your mind around, right? But 263,000, again, like, I, I can create just as well as all those people can. Oh, I can create just as well as all those people can. I can't market as well as all those people can. <laughs> Interesting stuff, though. I'm glad Daniel put this number out, by the way. Oh, we should say uh, Daniel is back. His podcast is back for the first time in almost two years, the Audacity the to Podcast. Again. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to Daniel. We're glad to have you back in the community. And um, yeah, aw- awesome stuff there. Back in uh, black. Jay, <laughs> let me tell you about one of our sponsors for this episode is brought to you by All About Apple Arcade. It is one of my passion projects, as a matter of fact. All About Apple Arcade is the exclusive unofficial podcast about the games of Apple Arcade. We do news, we do reviews, we do interviews with gamers, and uh, we break all of that down for you. Apple Arcade is a service, a game service, four ninety nine a month. Gets you access to hundreds of games on any iOS device or your Apple TV, or now even your Mac with Mac OS Catalina. And if you're interested in hearing about those games and finding the ones that might be right for you, all about AppleArcade.com is the place to go. Last episode Back of that one, Jay was. Uh, game. I I did uh, I did the the Saturday Night Live spoof thing. I did an oh. episode with my son. Uh, nice. We didn't talk about our feelings. No, uh, we talked bad. about video games. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that, but he had some great insight, actually, on um, uh, one of the games in particular. We played this game called Agent Intercept, which is a racing game. And he had some really good thoughts about some things that they could change or add to it over time to make it even better. So I enjoyed that a lot. Of the Saturday Night Live spoofs on podcasting, that is definitely, I have to say, it's, it's one of the worst ones. It had some chuckle points to it. But I mean, honestly, wasn't their best effort. I, I liked it. Uh, the problem for me was that uh, David uh, Harbour, who's the, the guy from Stranger Things that was the guest star for that one and, and was playing the father in the skit, um, he looked way too much like the guy from Dexter, uh, <laughs> Michael Hall or whatever, Michael C. Hall. I just kept thinking it was Dexter. It was so strange. Uh, he doesn't normally look like Dexter to me, but he really looked like Dexter in that sketch in particular. You liked, I was with you, you liked the uh, the Grouch, Oscar the Grouch oh, yeah. sketch better, didn't you? That was a that good one. That was great, too. That was a parody of the Joker uh, of the Joker movie, except it was Oscar the Grouch, which I thought well, was phenomenal. That was and well what, I, what I loved there is they filmed in some of the same locations. Like the, yep. It's clear that they went to the actual location where they filmed the Joker and they shot the scenes for the Grouch parody. It was wonderful. Really, really good stuff. Jay, you have been diving into the latest season of Startup with Alex Bloomberg and Gimlet Media uh, about this new season, this mini season, probably the final season for this show, you got to imagine. He says uh, it's the it, final season and it's only three episodes long. There you go. Okay. <laughs> this is all about, though, the lead up to their purchase by Spotify, right? Yes. And I get what the purpose of startup is sort of, you know, unveiling the curtain, pulling back the curtain, you see everything warts and all, but at the same time, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me when, when these guys who have been presented to us as thought leaders, they're sort of second guessing themselves at every turn and there's infighting and the company's in trouble. And it just, I kind of don't want it. Like I don't want, I don't, I don't want my, I don't want my confidence in in them 
as as leaders of the podcasting industry to be questioned. And I feel like so far the presentation uh, of this particular series has led me to that sort of like the well, wait a second. Um, you know, kind of thinking like the old saying, rather be lucky than good. Isn't that old of a saying? <laughs> um, yeah. We talked last week. I think it was last week, maybe the week before, about this season and how inherently, first of all, startup was always the truth as revealed through the lens that they wanted to reveal it, right? right. I mean, it's it's the company themselves telling the story, so they're not telling the parts of the story they don't want you to know. Even more so, and really, imagine- And really, it's Alex. It's, it's yeah. Alex's viewpoint, because, you know, there's a lot of things he says about Matt, and Matt gets interviewed... But I would have to say, I'll bet Matt has a different side of the story to some of the things that are being revealed in this particular series. I, I think you're probably absolutely right, based on, especially based on the way they interacted in season one. I, I could imagine that's absolutely the case. Um, here's my thing. I don't imagine that there was any possibility that they could make Spotify look anything other than great in this presentation, right? Like the mm. Spotify has got to look like not only the benevolent savior of this company, but also like a, a bastion for the future of audio, right? Cause that's what they're pitching. Yeah. So with that in mind, knowing that you have to get drama for this show to be any good or interesting, I feel like you're almost forced then for your primary two subjects to be the sort of like all of the warts are going to be shown on Matt and, Alex because it, they can show their warts. Uh, so right. anyway, what I'm saying is they might have received to go back to the reality TV idea. They might have received the villain edit here, uh, Jay. Yeah, I, I could see that. It's um it, again when you put it through the lens of of what you just described, it 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 can make more sense. At the same time, and listen, people second guess themselves all the time. I second guess things that I say all the time. Oftentimes I'll just say something and then it's out there and I go, Whoa, should I, should I have said that? (laughs) Probably, probably, probably should edit that. Um, But at the same time, it just sort of, I don't know. That's just sort of, that was, that was the feeling I got coming away from episode two was just sort of, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, my, my heroes so to speak, I'm losing losing confidence in my heroes. Like my heroes weren't presented in the in the greatest light in this particular in this particular series, and that that's always bothersome to me when telling a story. My hero's got to be a hero, and, yeah. and and the heroes so far in this story aren't coming off as what your typical hero would. Heroic, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I under, I understand that. Interesting. Uh, on top of that, uh, Hot Pod announced today that Gimlet Media's co-founder Matt Lieber, he's got a new uh, new job, technically. Yeah, newly created role within Spotify. He now holds the title of head of podcast and studio operations. Which, if you listen to episode two of Startup, you kind of you kind of see the writing on the wall. To me, this this means that you know we've we speculated sort of who's taking the money and running, who's sticking around. And I think with this particular promotion and sort of the way that I was listening to episode two, uh, it is Mr. Bloomberg who is, who is saying, thank you so much. Enjoy all the fish. Um, 
you know, so long and thanks for all the fish. Douglas Adams, yeah, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my big bag full of money and <laughs> go make podcasts on my own somewhere especially, else. Maybe especially if Matt is getting this new title of head of podcast and studio operations. Interesting that he will be reporting to uh, Courtney Holt um, in the Spotify Studios division. So uh, Matt doesn't, you know, Matt was obviously Matt wasn't going to maintain the same level of executive privilege as he previously had as the co-founder of Gimlet. But at the same time, you would, you don't normally take a role that you are reporting to someone underneath the CEO of the company that has acquired you. Yeah. I really imagined that one of these two or someone, maybe even both of these two would end up leaving and you'd have someone else from Gimlet that would get the top spot. But I assumed that someone from Gimlet would effectively be the final voice for the podcast division of Spotify. And that's close, but not exactly. Here's a great question from you from episode two. And I'm, it's a total spoiler. So if you don't want to be spoiled at all, uh, turn Skip off your podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're Joel Tuff. Tough cookies. Tough nuggies. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, if I gave you a billion dollars today, what would you do with it? If you gave me a billion dollars today, what would I do with it? <sighs> I would run away, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the wrong answer, Joel. Um, no, I'm, I would I would found a, a thriving uh, multimedia corporation to produce uh, great content and captivating stories for the uh, next century. <laughs> well, uh, Daniel Eck posed that question to Matt and and Alex, and Alex uh, said he was going to run away. <laughs> no, no, Alex didn't say he was going to run away, but but Alex sort of pointed out that they felt that they answered the question incorrectly, like they didn't. They didn't give the right answer. And when he interviews Daniel during the episode of Startup, uh, Daniel X says, you know, the point was I needed to get you guys to start thinking on that scale because that's what we're in. We're in the business of scaling to that point. And that's sort of a, that's also sort of a wake up, Apple. Knock, knock. I got to tell you. Of all the people I hope is is listening to this season of Startup, I hope the folks at Apple Podcasts are listening. (laughs) And I hope they're playing it for the folks higher up at Apple because, I mean, Spotify is going to come and eat your lunch. That is just all that's true. Spotify is going to eat your lunch on this podcasting thing if you don't get up off your haunches. Um. Jay, where if people get up off their haunches and want to do something, if they need some help with uh, some of that stuff that we mentioned previously, particularly if they're a college sports podcaster, um, how would they get in touch with you? College sports podcasters, I need you like yesterday. Uh, you can reach me at podvader at lockedonpodcasts.com or on Twitter at the real podvader. My DMs are open, uh, so you're not sliding into them. Uh, it's, it's a very open relationship here uh, on my Twitter. You don't have to worry about sliding into my DMs. Uh, I love that. I mean, you know, actually, I hadn't thought about it, but my DMs are open as well. Uh, you can find me at The Rogue's Life on Twitter or at podcasting underscore pro. That's my business account. And you can find all of my business stuff and all of my podcasts, too, at propodcastingservices.com. We've got them all set up there. Um 
Jay, next episode, we're going to be breaking down that uh, new report. First of all, the uh, IAB upfronts are happening today as we record this. And so we'll have the uh, Westwood One podcast download fall 2019 report to discuss next week. I still, I'm promising you, we're going to do that episode where we talk all about the things to consider when you're moving media hosts. I've had a couple of people reach out, say that's something they're interested in hearing. So we're going to be talking about that. I've got to get the blog post done before we do the episode, Jay. That's what I'm waiting on. It's <laughs> a good point. Very good. So, anyway, uh, that's some stuff to look forward to. Uh, until the next time we talk to you, we have been your hosts. I am Joel. I'm Jay, and I'll be your back door man. <laughs> Don't look back and are, in anger. And we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.